Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Generation On Air. My name is Alex Fullamore and we are back to shatter your World Cup bubble with the reminder that actually QPR and the championship still exists and that returns this weekend. Uh, so how are things shaping up for QPR at the restart? Well, our number one is making his way back from Qatar after warming the bench as a reserve goalkeeper for every single game. One of our best players is still in Qatar, warming the bench every game for Morocco. And if you have forgotten, we're managerless. But we did move back into the top six. So that must be Paul Hall's effect on the team already. Uh, so all things considered, I'm not quite sure where we stand. Let's find out if the two people joining me know any better so joining me to discuss all things qpr is sam taylor and ben summer welcome guys how are we very well thank you for having us no worries yeah all good that was a really lovely kind of like john sopel news agent style <laughs> intro i was really into that really good intro. That's great, great fun well that that is incredibly flattering um throwing me off a little bit as well now uh so the world cup then a bit of a letdown for our World Cup ours so far, isn't it, in terms of actual minutes? Yeah. Yeah, go on, Ben. I was just going to say, like, as we were sort of discussing before we started recording, it's one of those ones where, Dieng, you can look at it and you can go, oh, should they have dropped Mendy? And that's, I mean, it's a very QPR-centric thought, even if he wasn't great in that first game. But you look at, you look at Chair and you look at the players ahead of him, and I can't pretend I watch enough European football to know everything about all of them but you kind of look at it and look at the players coming off the bench and go oh he's played actually quite a few games in Ligue 1 and Serie A and like you know got goals and assists and has basically done what Elias Chair has done but in a probably slightly higher up division um, which is a shame and he, but he brings great vibes obviously you get the thing when you've got an international player and he just gets all the love from that team's fans on social media regardless of whether he plays or not so that's really nice but yeah it's been I've all I want is for him to have like two minutes off the, you know, I, I know that he's not going to be their key player, but it would be really, really nice. I have this um, perhaps over the top dream that he is going to come on in the next game and like score a winner to send them through or something. Like just do something that puts him on the world stage and then you can mm. kind of also go, yeah, another five million, please. It is a shame because it is such a good way to, I mean, it benefits us so much if they perform on this stage. I mean, they're not really given the opportunity so far but like maybe will his price will go up for the 15 minutes he was on tv in his little bib dancing around with the squad at the end of their last win i don't know yeah i guess it is quite nice to see him enjoying himself and being in the squad i guess as a you know himself being rock and it must be incredible this is i think the furthest they've ever gone isn't it that you know they they go one stage further they're the most successful African team in the history of World Cups. Am I right in saying that? So, you know, to be even in amongst it, I'm sure is amazing. The difficult one, as uh, Ben alluded to, I guess, uh, is Sonny Diang, who did sit on the bench as Mendy made sort of Mendy-esque uh, mistakes every single game, particularly in that first one. Um, you know, we know how good Sonny is at claiming the ball from a corner or something like that under pressure and that's how they go and concede their first goal and then he just basically passes it out to the uh Netherlands striker for him to score for the second one so you know it kind of watching that all sort of unfold on one hand disappointed Senny didn't play on the other hand very happy that Mendy did play against England 
Any thoughts on Senny's position? I mean, I'm pleased, you know, they've kept him nice and healthy for us. Um, and he might feel better about himself having watched his apparent superior, you know, uh, be bad. Um, so although I'm sure he's devastated, I think he can go home thinking that, you know, he could have done a lot better than whatever the manager deemed to be the better choice. Yeah, so uh, I guess uh, he, hopefully he comes back fit um, for Burnley at the weekend, which we'll cover in due course. Um, at least, I guess, we are getting a bit of money out of it, as uh, revealed by Ian McCullough from West London Sport. Eight, was it eight grand a day, roughly, that we get that each team gets per player? Um, it's a lot of money, isn't it? That, that they can just sort of chuck about like that especially for someone who's just sitting on the bench, not actually doing anything. Uh, but, you know, that's going to hopefully go into the transfer kitty or something. Um, moving on to more direct UPR matters. We are still managerless. A uh, couple of, uh, I guess, weeks have gone by since Bill ran off to Glasgow Rangers. Uh, Sam, you weren't here when we did that podcast a couple of weeks ago. So, your thoughts on the situation? Any burning opinions? Are you over it? Like, how are you feeling? It's just, it was just. It was, I mean, obviously, I feel like everything's been said by now. But equally, it was just a really weird thing of knowing he's probably a very good choice for us, but still kind of wanting him to just leave after all the the gossip and the rumors. It's it was a weird thing to. The manager seemed a bit bigger than the team, um, and. Like everyone, a lot of people are saying he was kind of just using us as a stepping stone. I don't think, I mean, he, I mean, obviously we weren't his end destination by some stretch of the imagination, but I think he was committed to an extent, but it's just the fact that he had, he really didn't need to say in a press conference to the entire fan base, all that stuff about integrity, because I feel like we would have all, I'm sure this has been said, but I feel like there would have been a softer, um, response if he had just taken the job without mm. having said all that. I think it's the hypocrisy which was the real uh, the real annoyance um, of the whole thing. And I vaguely hope he does really badly um, <laughs> from here on out. But I'd, it'll be interesting to see who we get in next. And I mean, considering they said they had this shortlist drawn up already, it's taking a bit of time. Um, there's no real no real news on it. It's weird. Yeah, everything seems to be quite silent at the moment. Ben, uh, obviously Sam alluded to that interview that Bill did there. And after we recorded the podcast, you put together a, a little uh, picture or, and sort of quote sort of thing of Mick Beal. Um, you know, just go through the feelings when you're doing that and sort of, you know, it's actually kind of done relatively well, isn't it? It's taken on a new life and gone on and sort of come back to you via other sources. Oh, the one that I put on the, uh, on, Twitter, on, the yeah. on the Twitter, that is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was not unlike anything anyone else did. It was just quoting him on his own words, um, specifically the bit that's highlighted. I've been all in here, and I've asked other people to be all in, so I can't be the first person, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, yeah, the mark of when you've done something decent on Twitter is when your uncle sends it to you, not realising that you made it. So that was um, that was quite nice, but, you know, nice in the way that it was just kind of, vaguely putting out content about something really upsetting. And then also, I think it was just after we recorded the podcast that Bill put out his lovely little, lovely statement to the QPR fans. Oh, saying, yeah. oh, 
Oh, I miss you guys. Oh, you know, I had a great time here. Sweet. Your owners are great, by the way, you know. Um, it was very, very, it's not you, it's me. But, like, also just completely, well, obviously misjudged, right? And I, 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 I've spent, like, a really, really fun week not having to think about McBeal all that much. <laughs> um, and now I'm thinking about him again and, and not enjoying it. So, uh, Well, I'm sorry, but you uh, nominated yourself to come onto this week's podcast, so... <laughs> Yeah, and I, you know, it but I, to happen. I can't provide the same boundless optimism about managers who the club might not even be in contact with that Micah could have if he was on here. Um, so I just sort of bring a general, general note of sadness, I suppose. Yeah, uh, we do have Dan and Micah, who are regulars, as you will know, listeners. Uh, they are sort of forming the uh, fan club for one potential uh, manager, but apparently we're not actually speaking to him but according to people in sweden we are i don't quite know uh there's still a lack of noise around the whole thing um so sam you did allude to it considering that we've done apparently majority of the work prior to this uh, situation when bill was making the eyes at wolves from across the dance floor you could say is it annoying that we haven't actually appointed anyone at this point I feel like they had a really, they have a really good opportunity to, it was a really good, I mean, there were, obviously there was no, there's no good time to be managerless, but this is a good time to be managerless in the sense that we have thought we had a whole like month off to sort ourselves out. And if they really did see this coming or whatever, this is a great time to get the ball rolling on that because what we're a week away now from less, we're like how many days, like five days, four days. Uh, Sunday, isn't it? That we play Burnley. Well, there you go. We're like four, five days away from um from playing again, and we don't have and there's no word of anything. I'm not saying that means obviously maybe they're just being very quiet about it, but it is annoying if they don't take this. Like we didn't need to. I feel like we didn't need to go into restart the season in you know this weird limbo. The manager, and it's a big game as well. Like it's not like we're sitting. If we were fourteenth, like we normally are, sixteenth. Sorry, that's the holy, holy grail of the championship table. But if we, if we were there, wouldn't we would have that time to sort of collect? But it's like you have to be consistently on it. This in to compete at the top, and I think we're there now. And I, and if we slip away, it's very hard to get back in the mix. So I think if we really need to be acting quicker than we are. So yeah, Ben, do you think we've missed a trick not appointing someone ever so slightly sooner? Because even though he was obviously looking to leave, Bill was suggesting that, that this was going to be a period of time where we were going to have to do a lot of work on the training ground. There was going to perhaps be a look towards a new formation and stuff like that. And this was the opportunity to do that. Now, obviously, his uh, departure has turned that on its head a little bit. But all of a sudden, whatever manager comes in, they're going to have to hit the ground running, aren't they? Yeah, it's a hard time for a tactical reset, definitely. I mean, I'm fairly confident in, like, the fact that we've had Paul Hall obviously taking training and taking the friendly games. I'm not too unhappy about that. I'm not necessarily suggesting him for the permanent role, but obviously he's a, a fairly experienced coach and, you know, worked across sort of different different types of team, youth teams and so on. So um, I guess they've, they've been sort of stewarded probably fairly well, but if we bring in a coach, um, you know, for instance, who adopts a sort of really high-pressing style or just any style that kind of differs from Beals particularly, um, it will be a hard time to implement that. Um, that being said, you know, it, it's from what I can tell, not the most fixture congested, congested bit of the season. 
Um, I might be wrong on that, but just sort of having a brief glance, that, that seems to be of, the case. It's right? okay for this sort of first couple of weeks, but then you get into the Christmas period and it just, you know, ramps up again, doesn't it? Because you have the traditional yeah. sort of Boxing Day, New Year's Day, yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, you're going to have loads of games over that period. Yeah, I mean, say, for example, you know, it, it does not seem at all likely that we'll have anyone in place by Burnley. Maybe I'm wrong, but say we appoint someone on the Monday following the Burnley game. You've got a game that Saturday. You don't have a game the next week and then you're in effectively two weeks after that Monday on Boxing Day in Cardiff. So the 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 window of appointing someone and giving them time to work with the team hasn't necessarily been missed. And I, I don't think we should have jumped to appoint someone. But yeah, if the club had names ready, um, I would be fascinated to learn. And it's probably something we'll learn in an autobiography of, of a journalist or of a player or whoever, of Les Ferdinand, something like that, in, in a few years' time, of who those names were, how close they were to getting appointed, any reasons maybe why it didn't happen quicker. Um, but I'm not I'm not devastated, I guess. Um, just I'd like it to happen quite quite soon, obviously. Yeah, I think in the summer there was a lot more rumours. Obviously, there was that Sol Campbell rumour. There was a lot of other sort of things flying around. There was a big, long list of people. And we knew for a while that we were speaking to Bill. And it did take some time for them to actually settle on him and his odds lengthened and shortened and you know he, he was completely out of the picture according to some people at some points and he was back in it and it, it all kind of changed and it all kind of uh kept on going uh for kind of at the time felt like a really long time but i guess it wasn't actually that long at all um let's speculate for speculation's sake uh, i'm going to give you the five top five names on skybet uh, so Neil Critchley is still favourite. Uh, Marty Sefendetez, who is uh, Micah and Dan's preferred option uh, for the the job. I think I saw Dan mention him as the next Pep Guardiola. I don't know if that was in jest or not. Uh, Chris Wilder, Anthony Barry, who is the assistant at Chelsea, was with Ghana, I believe. Uh, and then Mark Robbins, the Coventry City manager. So any of those five names sort of give you massive inspiration, Sam? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what... It feels like we've tried everything now. <laughs> like, I feel like we've been... Like, every time we've appointed a manager in, the, in this sort of stint in the championship, it seems like we've kind of gone down all the alleys. I guess the one we haven't tried is the foreign unknown guy. And I feel like Beal was a good, that I feel like that's kind of the direct, I, I like the idea of the Barry guy. I don't know a single thing about him, but I feel like there is this generation of coaches that are probably coming up now um, as the game gets more scientific, who can probably see themselves taking the reins and doing similar sort of things to what Beal um, did. And I I feel like, I could I don't know whether they would then go and make that similar appointment off the back of this whole Bill thing, although Bill was doing pretty well. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um and Chris Wilder, a few years ago we would have all been literally on our knees begging. So um I don't know. I yeah. I'm not sure. It's funny how all these things uh, sort of change. Going down that list a little bit more, actually, Ben, there's a few sort of bigger names that priced at 33 to one including 
Bielsa, Neil Warnock, John, who is retired, John, John Terry, Roy yeah. Keane, and you, you've jumped to the conclusion. So the option is at thirty-three to one, Jerry Barton or John Terry. Which one would you rather have? I'm not answering that question. Um, that's, uh, I mean, when you're putting someone like John Terry at 33 to, you know, Joey Barton, I don't think he's coming to QPR. He seems to hate QPR, so on, so forth. But he is, he is a, he is a manager. He's, a, he's a manager. Um, you know, um, he's, he's enjoying part, part success in the game. My, my point that I'm making is that a Championship club appointing Joey Barton would make some sense. QPR appointing him would make a bit less sense. A championship club appointing John Terry would not make much sense, and QPR doing it would make no sense. Um, so uh, obviously it's not something we're taking seriously. I kind of think those thirty-three to one odds are basically what betting companies, you know, so, someone who, I and mean, this is entirely un, unscientific, but someone who works for a betting companies basically realised on a Friday that they're missing some sort of target and goes, "What should I put on there to make some idiots put a fiver on it just in case?" Um, and that's where that's ended up. I mean, there's this whole. There's this whole thing about clubs appointing their old ex-heroes. Maybe we should, you know, experiment, be, 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 start a movement, go for the complete opposite and go for the club's most hated ever player. I think that would be a really interesting way forward, a modern, a modern, a modern football move, I would say. So like, <laughs> to be fair, to United, Keane to Arsenal, yes. uh, Harry Kane to Chelsea when he retires, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is me mining sort of, information from an era that i don't remember but didn't um didn't alan mcdonald already have issues with mark hughes wasn't that already a thing um i might be totally wrong there, i think i've I think, heard something along those lines yeah so i think i think we've already possibly done that all right john terry. okay i'm john terry in let's do it uh so ben from those five names at the top of the betting list anything sort of jumps out at you or are you kind of much of a muchness like sam yeah, I'm not. I'm not for. I mean, they're, they're all pretty good names. I'm happy with those. Obviously, um, like with Critchley and Robbins, there was Critchley one of the five. Critchley was one of the yeah. five, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was, he's they're, favourite at two to one. Yeah, they're they're managers that have enjoyed you know a pretty good time in the championship. I'd have no problem with that at all, without knowing that much about their playing styles. Sifuentes is an interesting one. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. Um, sort of in the, I think with with like. He, he's he's the sort of profile of Beal, I think, in terms of a coach who's probably not had the um, appreciation for what he's done, but he's actually more experienced than Beal, right, with first-team football. Um, I think also, like, for instance, a signing like Kenneth Powell, I think, really proves that actually a player who looks good on paper can be good on paper uh, and, and in uh, practice, sorry. Um, you know, it was all sort of data. None of us had really seen him play, and actually it turns out he's very, very good. Um, and I think it's almost a case where you can look at the sort of dissections of the data with Sifuentes and stuff and go, yeah, probably, like Sam said, things are advanced enough, scientific enough, that that means he's likely to be quite good. Um, Wilder kind of worries me. Um, I'm not I'm not too familiar with all of that. I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. Everything I've seen of his team's play, I would love some of that. But it seems like what did him in at Middlesbrough was a falling out over transfers. Um Right, is that? I, I think that's w- yeah, what it was. That, that um, is what's being said by Middlesbrough fans. Yeah, right. And we we just we can't. I I, I just I, I wouldn't believe that we can perform, compete in the market to the level that he would expect us to, or that he would expect any club to. Right. We 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 don't quite have those resources. That's not a criticism of the club. We've had two managers until Beal went on his merry way that have actually worked quite well under those um, restrictions. But yeah. I cannot imagine us being able to offer Chris Wilder the resources that, that he seems to want, um, especially even given like, you know, the, the squad that he had to work with was good at Middlesbrough and he wanted mm. more. And our squad is good, 
but I think he would want more. Yeah, absolutely. I think if there was one on there that kind of jumps out, is like like you said, Sam, we haven't tried the foreign manager route. We've kind of, I mean, Beal was, apart from the fact that he was way too ambitious for us, he was the right appointment. He was the right profile of coach. That's exactly what we should be doing and moving away from the lazy sort of Steve McLaren appointments. And even to a certain extent, Chris Wilder would be a lazy appointment to make because there's not been much evidence recently that he would be able to repeat that Sheffield United trick. So looking at it, Fuentes, yeah, that kind of maybe is a slightly more, I don't know, sexier option because of what you think back to sort of Norwich when they first sort of picked someone out of thin air and when our, and other teams have done it. Um, you know, you, you could fight. I saw someone uh, write an article today saying that he could be QPR's version of Graham Potter, the Swansea. And that's, you know, I mean, apart from getting Dan Lambert really excited, I don't know what that means. Uh, so, yeah, Sifuentes seems like the one that we could do. You know, it's thinking a little bit outside the box. I've never heard of him before. That's no, that doesn't guarantee success, but certainly guarantees that it'd be a little bit more exciting, surely. Maybe. Equally, it could be nonsense. <laughs> it's just, it's always very interesting to see these things because um, the English game is like, very different. I mean, there are coaches who come and can't hack it. Um, and it's hard to judge the level as well because he's quite high up in the it's the Swedish league, isn't it? Yeah, his team's qualified for Europa Conference League next season. That's that's like a really high standard. One he prob oh he said he all those tweets saying he would said he wanted to leave, which is interesting. But um, like that seems like I feel like that would be a similar standard to us, but it's a gamble, and I don't know whether they want to gamble. But I don't know. It has to pay. I don't know. Yeah. Again, I have no idea. It's a very weird situation. Let's move on then. Uh, we have got a game coming up this weekend. We play Burnley for the first time in many, many years, I'd imagine. I think the last time we probably played them is when we got relegated from the Premier League. Um, they sit top of the table, hold 10 points ahead of us. What can we expect from uh, this weekend's game? Are we looking forward to the return of QPR or are we slightly nervous going into it? It's slightly very, very nervous. Um, about it. Um, I, again, I, I, I don't, I don't like people that pretend they know things about the EFL. I have not watched loads and loads of Burnley this season, but by every metric and by uh, what the friend of mine who supports Burnley has said, they're quite good. They are quite good. Um, and yeah, I'm terrified. Sorry, I can't offer much more than that. I'm, I'm abjectly terrified. Well, I'm guessing one of the reasons that you're terrified is that they've scored the most goals in the league. Uh, they've also only lost twice. And one of them was a very recent crazy game against Sheffield United when I'm pretty sure they were winning at one point, but lost like 5-2 or something like that in the end. Uh, and their last five wins, win, 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 loss, win. So, Sam, are you equally terrified? Yes, um, I, I would and say we'll so. And we'll end this podcast there. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can, on, on, behalf, on the QPR side of things... I don't even know if it I think it's just it's a shame that this game is important <laughs> because 
if this was just one of those games which could go either way on a Tuesday night against some random team a million miles away, it would be, I don't know, with the no manager thing, it's it would be uh, easier to deal with. But it's such a, it's a very big game because I think it comes down to which teams at the top you can take points off. Because if you're expecting to be in the top, you should beat get points off the rest of the league so it can come down to which of those big teams at the top you take the points off so it's really important um the timing is a shame and again it's why it's annoying that we don't have that stability or i don't know if they'll continue with whatever tactics beal had in, uh, like ingrained in them but um, it's frustrating burn like I, I agree with ben i, I mean so like i'm i haven't watched burnley much um but i i i can expect it's going to be tough and we will have to survive more than anything i think um so you mentioned tactics there and the only clue we'll have to potentially what we could be doing this weekend uh came in the behind closed doors game against livingston which we won 2-1 um i think it's sinclair armstrong and macaulay bond with the goals but we set up in a 4-3-1-2 formation according to the qpr website with Field, Dazelle and Erebunum in that three. Richards further forward, Bon and Armstrong up front. Now, you'd probably expect Dykes to come in. Is Armstrong going to start potentially? You know, it's a very attacking uh, formation to go against, uh, go up against the potentially best team in the league against. But is that kind of what we need to do? Just sort of, you know, our strength at times is just going for it, scoring goals. Is that something that we can look forward to perhaps, Ben? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think especially with Chair still at, uh, at the World Cup, I nearly said AFCON there, just because I'm so used to, I'm, I've mm-hmm. got ingrained the memory of discussing that when he was away at AFCON. Chair still away at the World Cup, um, you've got Willock either behind a striker, behind two strikers, possibly as a second striker, anywhere well, up wasn't there. in the squad at all for that fixture, which is, you know, ah. went below the radar, surprisingly. Yes. But it is okay. sort of, it is like, very worrying. Well, that sort of confirms and, and, and advances a point that I was about to make, which is that we sort of still co- don't quite know how fit he was. I assume the answer was match fit, just yeah. about, and 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 we'll see whether that comes to pass, I guess. But let's assume that Willock is fit, but not 100%, which I think is what he's been for a fair amount of the season. He can still do a lot in that mm. state, um, but a lot of that's down to having chair next to him. And I think if you don't have chair next to him, I would rather... You've got Lyndon Dykes doing Lyndon Dykes things, the sort of hold-up play, the potential to get you know a goal if we can get crosses in and that sort of thing, but also that unpredictability of, of Sinclair Armstrong and doing things like winning the penalty uh, that wasn't a penalty um, against Cardiff. Um, I think I think I think you need that sort of variety around Willock if he is the only player in that little sort of number ten position. Uh, certainly, I'd rather that than again. I mean, I don't even know if. Um, Tyler Roberts is, is, is going to be fit. but Tyler I, Roberts I, was I, back in training. Well, Steffi Hansen was meant to be back post-World Cup, wasn't he? But we're not quite sure yeah. when. You know, there's a still a few question marks. This isn't quite the full-strength side. So, you know, you add your Hansen back in there, I think that's a big plus, whether you have Willock or Chair or not. You add your Hansen in there, you take out Dazelle, Field, Iribunum, Johansson, yeah, we're cooking yeah, it. Yeah, fantastic. Totally, but but you want that to be the midfield. You don't you don't want a sort of Steffi Hansen awkwardly playing number ten or anything like that. Like I yeah. I would you know I would I would happily have that midfield three, Chris Willock ready to sort of take those shots from the edge of the box and two pretty different 
forwards playing in front of him than I would. And this is nothing against Tyler Roberts, who I really, really like, but I would, ra- I would rather that than Roberts and Willock behind Dykes, personally. Yeah, uh, it looks like Murphy Mahoney as well probably starting if the Livingston games took anything to go by. He played both halves. So he obviously played at the back end of last season. Joe Walsh is out, is doing sort of loans here and there to places, but kind of comes back in a sort of weird... Sorry? Does, he still, does Jordan Archer still play for us? Jordan Archer yeah. is added to the list of players that supposedly exist but don't, including oh. Sean Goss uh, and Marco Ramkild. He is am the I, third in that list. Am I missing something? Is it confirmed that Dieng wouldn't play? I, yeah. I mean, he might, he might do, but what, they got knocked out on, what was it, last, it was this week, wasn't it? Last Sunday, right? Last Sunday. We, it's it's a week. No, it's, I don't it's know. A week potentially, like it's it's a tough turnaround, isn't it? I mean, he's been playing football, so he can just come back and play. Like realistically, he shouldn't have any reason why he shouldn't be playing. But some, yeah, he got a break, didn't he? Well, most time, most of the time, these players get a break when they come back mid-season from international games. But he's been having a, you know, a month-long break in Qatar. He doesn't need to. Not play any more football. He needs to play some football. That's what we've been saying. Taking a break. Yeah. Um, personally, I kind of hope that now that Bill's gone, we're less reliant on Balogun. I think that's, you know, we, we've got more than capable centre-backs. I know Clark Salter is injured an awful lot and it's annoying, but um, you've got Dickie and Dunn, Dickie especially, who's someone that we must be looking to sell on at some point and Dunn will probably be a similar situation in a couple of years so they need to be playing they can't be playing they can't be behind a 35 year old center back that's apparently didn't want to leave glasgow rangers and you know go back to glasgow rangers then i don't i don't care right um well, but but also if, if people make arguments about about jimmy dunn's limitations which i know is something that has been discussed right first of all i, I genuinely think he's the sort of player that, that will work on those and that won't sort of just be you know content with that but also even if that means he's not 100 percent the player that rob dickey is and even if that means that we're not looking to sell him in sell him on for big money in the same way um we should be playing him in the interests of him becoming a reliable championship player for okay. us for as many years as he wants to be here um i'm not nothing against Balogun he's been I think really really good for us uh, but I don't think the gap between him and Dunn is so great that it is worth playing Balogun ahead of Dunn um, I, I, and I know that slightly falls apart you know maybe if we're looking in five six games time and we're still in the playoff picture and if Balogun puts in a couple of performances that are well above Jimmy Dunn's maybe I'm just about fickle enough on that but I think without Beal in this sort of new era I think you start as you mean to go on and I think you start with the 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 two of um, Dickie Dunn and Clark Salter that are fit enough and and inform enough to play. Yeah, we're running out of time in this uh, Zoom call, so we're going to wrap this up here. Uh, but before we go, very quickly, um, don't we don't need an explanation for us? Just need a scoreline. Sam, England versus France. Who's winning? France. <laughs> uh, ben, scoreline for England France. One nil England. Let's go one nil England. One nil England. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. Uh, it's been our generation on air. You can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow our generation on Twitter as well. You can also uh, subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you are using to listen to us. Uh, give us a review if said platform allows it. Also, there's a website called Chartable, 
where you can leave us a nice review. Give us a couple of stars. Five stars, please, because I think we deserve it. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Uh, keep an eye on the QPR match day program because someone's going to have a column in there, I believe, at some point over the next couple of weeks. Uh, so, yeah, thank you very much for listening. And until next time, come on, you guys.